Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got Bazooka Joe back in the building. Uh, coming, well, not in the building. We're, we're you're quarantined right now, so we're not in the building. Let's let's make that very clear. We're we're not together. Yeah, no, separate, <laughs> and I'm back in house arrest here for two weeks. Absolutely. Well, uh, hopefully you have uh, a nice um, reservoir of Chef Boyardee to keep you uh, keep you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm getting. Uh, it's funny. I'm getting. Uh, my mom Uber delivers me stuff, which is nice. So I get shipments via mom. So I still had uh, I had a shipment of raviolis and meatballs. So mom uh, makes sure she delivers food for me. So I'm okay, taken care of. Yeah, of course. So she's making homemade. She made some raviolis the other day. We had some meatballs and some other uh, fresh made bread and different cheeses and salami. So I, Mama Valtellini takes care of me. So just to be clear, Chef Valtellini is better than Chef Boyardee? Absolutely. I'm not. I think. I think I would be disowned from my family if I had Chef Boyardee in my cupboards. Yeah, I, think I think my. That's it. Community is the, the major uh, consumer of Chef Boyardee. No, definitely not. And especially growing up and hearing my friends eating craft dinner and ketchup and that kind of stuff, my parents would literally throw up if they heard I ate craft dinner with ketchup on it. Well, don't don't come and hang out. Make sure your parents don't come hang out with my kids because they they will. Oh, they like it. Oh, yeah. oh. Craft dinner here is a staple. Oh, all right. Okay. Costco now has the one and a half size boxes. They're perfect. You feed the whole family. For like a, a buck, you can feed your whole family lunch. It's wonderful. There's actually a, a weird part of me, actually, because I watched some randomly, I guess, on YouTube, some craft dinner. I don't know how it popped up or what algorithm it sent me, but I had someone making craft dinner. And I was like, for some reason, it looks good. I kind of want to try it again. I don't think I've had it since I was maybe five years old I and mean, probably tried it at one of my Canadian friends house, but I would love to try it again. That's for sure. Joe, it looked you, good. You born, Joe? You're born in Canada, aren't you? Yeah, but still I'm not allowed to have it at my house. I wasn't ever, my mom never made it. It's usually when I went to a friend's house and like, Oh, do you want something to eat? And they would make some crap dinner. And I was like, okay, sure. And I would probably, yes. Who knows? When I want to yeah. pasta, I go to, I go to La Mana's, which is like part of your, they're an extended family of yours, right? So that's it. Yeah. Families. Yeah. So that's where you get the good place. Now there's so much good pasta around everywhere. You can't be stuck eating craft dinner all the time. Well, we make homemade pasta and it's just, it's not the same. It doesn't compare. I mean, we do yeah. what we can. We make a homemade sauce and all that, but it's, I mean, you go to La Mana's and you have the lasagna and it's, it's just, I mean, you're comparing oh, yeah. oranges. Yeah. They're professionals, right? Absolutely. When we want to, when we want to listen to fights, you know, where do I go? I go talk to Aaron Bronstetter. That's where I go to the pros. Uh, you might be barking up the wrong tree there, but I, I appreciate that. So you, uh, you're back from Abu Dhabi. Uh, Malcolm Gordon unfortunately fell short in his uh, UFC debut. Uh, yeah. I don't know what behind the scenes stuff you can tell me about. I, I mean, the fight was scheduled to be at flyweight, ended up at bantamweight. I don't know if you're allowed to tell me what what happened there. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely say it. I mean, again, first of all, I don't want to sound like someone who's uh, a big sword loser and, uh, you know, talking excuses. But um, one of the things I got to say is I'm, I'm super proud of Malcolm. I think before I know he lost in his debut, but uh, I, I'm super proud of the mental strength he had to show. And um, a lot of people he took this fight on last uh, two weeks notice which he was originally scheduled to fight in the Dana White Contender Series in September, October. So we thought we had time. But when we got the call to the two-week notice, Fight Island, we're like, yeah, we don't want to give up the opportunity. But that meant we only had a two-week training camp before going. And that's a week of training in Toronto and then a week traveling to Abu Dhabi. So 
Um, one, he did not do any sort of martial arts training for four months while he was off. He just let his body rest, recovered. He even questioned wanting to fight again. He's like, the UFC hasn't called me. I don't know what's going on. This isn't for me. I'm just going to kind of think about other things to do in life. So you got to think he was on total, like not training mode, gets the call two weeks before we take it. We get one week of training back home, which may be sparred twice of that week because I couldn't overtrain him because that's the worst thing I can do. If he came back from doing nothing for four months and then I threw him into a intense training camp, it's just going to wear his body down. So I had to be strategic in that one week home. And then the week of training was one being on long flights, literally pushing beds aside and having a little piece of carpet to do a little bit of striking and making weight. Um, and then all of, after all of that, we find out the weight, uh, his opponent couldn't make 135, uh, 125. So we agreed to a catch weight at 130. Then we find out the opponent can't make the 130 catch weight. And then all of a sudden we're fighting 10 pounds up than what we wanted to. And what Malcolm prides himself on is being a big, strong 125er. And now psychologically, it was hard for him to know because his only losses on his career were when he was forced to go to 135. So as a fighter who's very mental focused and really prepared on a 125 debut where you feel your absolute best, he's having to go through all this mental challenges of no training, heavier weight class, you know, the, the stress of making his UFC, his UFC debut. So the weight we affected it, everything, you know, didn't go as planned, but, uh, he, it just, anything, it just motivates us to show and make a real strong 125 debut. They've already talked to us and said, you know, you took the fight on last minute in a different weight class. We're, we're bringing you guys back. So, um, you're going to see a whole different animal with a full camp, full training, um, everything, everything's on. So just, it was just frustrating to, to see him have to go through that many variables on a debut, but he did it, you know, mentally now he's uh, stronger than ever. So that's what we needed. I mean, if you were to have gone on contender series, if he ends up getting a spot on that, you still need to win a fight, you need to look good, and then you get the contract. For, for this situation, I mean, you're kind of in a win-win because even if you lose that fight, you have your foot in the door. Uh, you, you've done the UFC a favor because you allow the fight to go to bantamweight. So you, you're being a company guy. And uh, yep. now I think it'll, in the long run, will we'll do Malcolm uh, a world of good. Yeah, but even like, I mean, even the 135, I honestly feel if Malcolm literally had a full eight-week camp, it wouldn't have been a problem. This The kid was good. He was strong. I mean, I think just the mentality, like reading his story before, he came from, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan where like he's fled the war. And he's a tough kid. Like he's so strong, so motivated, so hungry. He was strong and aggressive. Like, I can't take anything away from him. He, he was a fantastic fighter, and I think he was going to do great things. But uh, I don't think he was better than Malcolm um, if we had a full camp, knowing the weight class to be in and not having a stress to make weight. Um, but, I mean, again, I mean, we're here. We're ready. I just Malcolm now needs a proper debut to really showcase himself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that uh, his next time out, you'll see a different Malcolm Gordon. Uh, especially oh, for sure. That's a guarantee. That guy, that guy did not look like he was a natural flyweight, the guy that he was fighting. I mean, the guy looked big. No. Massive. And if you're like, I mean, when you see them, uh, you're like, oh, okay. But then on fight day, I was like, he must have ballooned back up to over the 150, 155. He was big. He was thick. He was heavy. Malcolm has been doing jiu-jitsu for 20 years. And he's and at the end of that fight, he was so pissed. He was basically in tears. He goes, I have never been submitted in 20 years of jujitsu competition. He goes, the kid felt heavy when he was on him. He's like, he felt heavy. 
He goes, I, I've been had big guys strong. as like, the kid was strong, heavy, knew how to use his weight. I mean, but again, this is something he's never felt before in jujitsu. So now, if anything, that mindset will be like, I will never allow someone to be that much stronger on me. So um, I, I think the beast is coming out. Malcolm X, the beast is coming. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing him with a, a proper training camp for sure next time around. Uh, and I, it looks like there's going to be a lot of opportunity. The UFC has zero days off, like zero weeks off from now until October. Plus the Insane. Series reportedly in August, September, and October. So there's going to be two events per week at minimum because they could add a Wednesday. Who knows? From now until October. I mean, I'm getting exhausted already just thinking about it. It's it's, it's a lot. And I'm not even competing. I'm just, I'm just watching it and covering it. But, How have you been dealing with these four fights in Fight Island? Um, well, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's regular. It's weekly. And uh, the times are the same as, as usual. So it's, it hasn't been much different. Uh, but, uh, you know, now all the other sports are coming back, so there's a bit less pressure on me, uh, given that there's, there's more to talk about in the, in the sports world, as opposed to when the UFC was the only game in town, you know, there was a lot for me to do, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of overall coverage, right? Because it's just, it's the only game in, in town, at least now with all of these events, you know, it, it just kind of goes back to a little bit of normalcy, but I'm, I'm very disappointed, like, and I hate to say this because it's going to, people are going to say, oh, this Canadian guy, but. I'm disappointed at how the U.S. has dealt with this coronavirus because I want to get back out there and cover these on the road. Like I want to, I want sure. to go, and uh, I, I, it's one one thing I really miss is just being on the ground and, and being there and and talking to the athletes. It's the, it's the thing that I enjoy the most about covering the sport is just getting to be with all of these uh, great people. Like uh, you know, I was talking to Benavidez last week uh, before his fight, just in an interview, and I was like, man, I would just love to just sit and, and chat with because Joe and I have a, a really good relationship. Um, in, in the sense that I, I just I can sit and talk to him for just about non-fight related stuff for just uh, for hours because he's just a really he's a very well-rounded person he's very interested in all kinds of different things um, and uh, I, I kind of miss that I, I miss having I miss the social aspect of, of covering it and I miss the social aspect of life in general I my best friend from high school um, I saw him probably about three or four weeks ago. I I had never gone that long without seeing him in person without like from March till yeah. July or whatever it was like that's I guess it's four months like I had never gone that long without seeing my best friend in person and that kind of stuff is what you know is, is difficult about this whole pandemic is you, you you miss out on on those kind of things uh, whether it's and I'm even, I even miss dealing with the people at the UFC who I who I see on site like I I, I really enjoy just hanging out with them and chatting with them. Uh, about non-fight related stuff and just being in their presence and that kind of stuff I miss it's it's just that's that's the difficult thing about it and then I see that basically we're gonna have to wait till there's a vaccine I mean it, that doesn't seem like it's getting much better um, in in uh, in the US and I think that until there's a vaccine that uh, I know the US have already committed to buying a hundred million doses and uh, but until then I just don't know when I'm gonna travel again yeah, and, and it's difficult. And I mean, at least going to this little fight island has gave me that little bit of uh, relief and, and the missing. Because you got to think, I was traveling even myself with Glory almost once to twice a month where I was a part of fights, calling fights, being in the action. I mean, as, as a ex-fighter, you know, I, I need that rush and commentating gave me that that rush, that feeling of being alive and I mean, the UFC gave it to me this weekend, but it just showed that I missed it. And just being able to be in hotels and meeting people for dinner and meeting new people. I mean, it's really it's really tough not getting that. And I think 
the fact that we've been in quarantine for so long, it's almost getting, we're getting used to this type of living. And then when you get a little taste of it, you just realize how much you miss it. Sure. Well, let's, let's talk about the event itself. Uh, Davis and Figueredo uh, beats Joseph Benavidez, one of the more lopsided rounds you'll see at the championship level. Um, and uh, Benavidez uh, gets put to sleep towards the end of the first round uh, with the with the rear naked choke. It's the first time he's ever been submitted. That was a tough one to watch because, uh, you know, Joe has worked so hard to get to the championship level on this many occasions. And after the fight, he just acknowledged, you know, like, I, I know it's not going to happen for me again. And uh, I just need to go out on a win and that's it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to see him have to um, basically walk away knowing that he's not going to achieve what his, his goal getting into the sport was. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, um, one of the, the, the key people that I met this weekend was Benavides and his wife, uh, Megan. I just thought, like, just the, the literally the nicest two people I've ever met. Like, just sweet, caring. Both of them are like saints. I mean, even after we're walking to the hotel and Benavides just put his arm around me and just started talking to me. And I was just kind of like thanking him for being such a good role model and the way he is. And says, So, I mean, he really, really is a special athlete. And I hope he gets put as a role in the UFC to kind of help and, and be that person for other fighters. So I think he's great. But... I just think Figueredo's at another level. I think he's going to be a good look for the 125 champion. I think um, he's a monster. He's strong. He's powerful. He fights aggressively. I think he's a good uh, person to sit at the top of the 125. And hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of people, as soon as they win a belt, they want to jump around. But I think he's a good person that can sit at the top of the 125 for a while. Well, I hate to say this because uh, I'm not trying to put down the team, but when when Figueredo was coached by Team Alpha Male, he was a different fighter. They, they really made him a, a conservative fighter. And I think that what he learned at Alpha Male in terms of wrestling, wrestling defense, has really helped him now after he's left the camp. Like, I, I still think they did him a lot of favors in terms of how they trained him. I, I just, he was a different guy back then. He was a lot more conservative. He wasn't himself. But now that he has taken the tools that he learned from Alpha Male in terms of wrestling and wrestling defense, you could see that being put to use in this particular fight, in, in fact, in both of the fights against Benavidez. And uh, I think that he's really going to shine as a champion in the UFC. And I think he's going to be one of these guys, if he can maintain the championship for some time, he'll be like Aldo. He'll be a guy that everybody enjoys watching. Like, he's, he doesn't speak English, so that there's always going to be that divide in terms of how marketable he is. But I think he's going to be one of these guys that's really respected on, on, on the level uh, when, when it comes to his striking and, and how he looks in that regard. Yeah, and he's honestly seeing him. He's a scary guy. It's not like you look at him and you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll smash this guy. Like a lot of people, you look like if you look at someone like a nice guy like Benavidez, you'd be like, oh, I'll beat this guy, you know. But when you look at Figueroa, you're like, oh my god, he's 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 a monster. Like he looks strong, scary, aggressive. Like and he fights hard. And it was just funny because I was actually listening to a few interviews. He was a hairdresser before. Yeah, and a sushi chef. <laughs> yeah I, and i mean now look at him i mean that's just it's just a monster and it's just uh even malcolm when we were there malcolm was like man this guy's like just very social with him it's just i like him i think he's gonna be a, a tough guy for everyone were you able to converse with him like does, does he have serviceable english no he was kind of like just he's kind of smiled we looked and we just kind of like hugged him as we walked by kind of thing and he, he was receptive to it I mean, just kind of just through body language and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it was just very super cool to, to hear his story and where he is now. So you're saying I should attempt to hug him next time I see him? 
Yeah, just give him a hug. He was good with it. All right. Just give him a nice big Noted. hug. Noted. I'd rather <laughs> hug people now than shake hands. Like, I think if, if given the option, I would rather do that. Like, a chest bump is cleaner than probably hands touching, right? Oh, for sure. The handshake is a terrible invention. I wish it would go Yeah. Away. And I don't mind it. Like, I get it. I understand why it's there, and but I, I just... Doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Handshakes don't make sense. You don't know where people's hands have been. Exactly. If you give, the guy, if you give someone a hug or a fist bump, elbow bump, whatever, it's still a greeting. You don't need to shake someone's hand and get your sweat all over them. The problem with me is, again, being Italian, I, have, I was raised, my father, the first thing he taught me was anyone you see, you look at them in their eyes and you give them a nice, firm handshake. I and I, I've, got, I've got nothing against that idea but i just think that the the premise of of the handshake being the greeting oh yeah should change i think but isn't it is important to, to to have the eye contact and to like and to, and to when you introduce yourself to somebody like i think a handshake is a good thing but i just it needs to be replaced by something it's it's it's, it's yeah. a dated greeting well yeah now in 2020 yeah i've seen those ridiculous ones the foot the taps the elbows something's gonna have to go traditional bow Bring it back. I like that. Bring it back. They still have it in Japan. And I think that that is the, the best, that's the safest and most respectful greeting you can give somebody. If you bow to somebody, you know, you're giving them respect. You're, you know, making eye contact with them. You give them a nice bow. And then, hey. then you, you start your conversation. You go from there. But I, I, I like that. I think the bow is the, the way to go. But let's go. Let's get to I like the card. Uh, Jack Hermanson beats uh, Kelvin Gastelum very early, a minute and 18 seconds into the first round. I've never seen Gastelum get beaten like that. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, that must have been, you know, I know that Malcolm's disappointed with his performance, but I, I imagine that Gastelum is still kicking himself over that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was definitely disappointed in, like, uh, seeing him around and talking to his team. They're disappointed. And, and what surprised me, and his team said it, it was like, I didn't. I had no idea how old Gastelum was and only 28 years old. 28. And if you look at the guys he fought, yeah, that's crazy to me too. But like, if you look at the the guys Gaslam has fought in the since he started, it's been incredible. He never really had any fight that was really easy, you know. He was really thrown in right from the beginning, so a lot of pressure on him to perform and stuff like that. And I even asked a question about going to 170, and and they kind of they didn't shut it down, which I thought was cool. They were kind of thinking about it, so uh, who knows. When you ask him about it, he always leaves that door open, but yeah. I think he knows what's required of him to make 170, and he knows that it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, fighting itself isn't difficult, but I think he would just be great. I think he would be good at 170, because these 185ers are huge. Like, even walking beside Bisping this weekend, Bisping's a monster. I was like, man. I know, which is crazy. And even seeing... Yeah. I saw Gaslam and I was like, I was talking to Sam and I was like eyeing up some of the 185ers just to see the size difference. And I looked at Gaslam like, look how small his legs are, his calves. And I was like, that's a confident man to be that size. Like he's not big. And then you see that he fights someone like Bisping and like some of these big guys. I'm like, even if he won the fifth round, he'd be the champion. Yeah. But even Israel, like he's a little bit slimmer. Like you're talking like even guys like a Chris Weidman or like a Luke Rockhold. Those guys were thick, solid, tall. Like they're just I, I couldn't believe it. So, I mean, that's where if I'm Gaslam, I'm thinking I'm looking one 170. Yeah, I, th I think he's, he's thought about it. I mean, he's going to have to really 
change the way he lives his life if he wants to make 170. He's going to have to slim down. He's going to have to be more disciplined. But it's difficult, right? I mean, and he had a lot of success at 185. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, Gaslam's done. Now he's 28 years old. He got to the to basically the championship level. He was supposed to fa face Whitaker for the championship. On the day of the fight, Whitaker dropped out. Like, it's not like he wasn't. People say, oh, he only fought for the interim title. He was supposed to fight for the title. He was, he was an hours away from fighting for the title. So let's not, let's not act like the guy hasn't gotten to the very top of that division. And, and now suddenly he's washed. No, Hermanson, I agree. Hermanson loss can, can happen to anybody. You know that Hermanson's a big guy. He's a good heel hook. Uh, and, you know, it happens, it happens to everybody. You get caught sometimes. But that's yeah. has a good career at, at 185. And I don't know if, if he has to move to 170 in order to have success. I think he can still get back into the title picture with a couple big wins. That's not the deepest division. And, and you're, I think he's on, what, three in a row that's with him now? That's three losses in a row, I believe, right? Till and, and Jack yeah, but look at the names, right? I mean, that's the craziness. Yeah, Crazy. Sure. And the Till loss was a split decision. It's not like he got blown out by Till. Uh, oh, the Till was a split decision. I thought it was more one-sided. It was a split decision. It was, a, it was kind of a fight where it was very strategic, very, very much a chess match on the feet with not a lot of volume, not a lot of output. That's the kind of fight that Darren Till likes. But... Uh, Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Rafael Faziev looked really good against uh, Mark Diakizi. He looks like he's going to be around for a while. And same with Armin Sarukian against uh, Davi Hamos. I was very impressed by those two particular performances. Yeah, I mean, um, sorry, my, my computer died out on me here. But, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with uh, – sorry again here, Aaron. No problem. Reset, reset here. With who, Faziev? Uh, the uh, no, sorry, Diakazi. I, I was really shocked at how I thought Diakazi was going to be. Uh, you know, his striking was going to really show well, but uh, yeah, his opponent was strong. He was good and looked promising. So I mean, that was a fight of the night, in my opinion. I think they got the bonus for it as well. Yeah, they did. But they got the fight of the night bonus and uh, performance of the night went to uh, Davis and Figueredo and uh, Ariane Lipsky. Lipsky with that nice knee bar. Oh, that was just nasty. And she's senior. I got to talk to her for a few minutes during fight week, and she's just pleasant, very calm, and then just a savage, just a monster. Yeah, I've dealt with her before, too. She's, uh, she's very soft-spoken and uh, always smiling, and then she gets in there, and she's just a killer. But uh, it's taken her a while to find her footing in the UFC, so it was nice to see that kind of a performance out of her because uh, I think she had a lot of doubters going into that one. Yeah, and there was uh, one other kid that really impressed me. I think, uh, was it Dawson? I think his oh, name, Grant uh, Dawson. Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson. Who James Krause coaches, yeah. Grant Dawson. Yes. Yeah, I was just, I was shocked when I saw him. And I got to meet uh, his opponent and train with his opponent, Nad. Uh, fight, we, we shared a training room and stuff like that. And I saw how good striking Nad was. And he was sharp, big, strong, technical. And when I saw him, he was going to fight Grant Dawson. I was like, oh, he's, he's going to walk through Dawson. But Dawson is tough, man. And I really praised him, um, you know, after his fight. I was really um, praising him a lot. He's a strong guy. I mean, that's the thing that I think he has over a lot of different fighters in the division is just sheer strength. Like, the guy's just a beast. Yeah, and I also got to uh, meet Joe Duffy, which was pretty cool. Been a fan of his for a while. Very nice. I saw that he retired. Hey, it was just a bad weekend for Joseph. I mean, your guy lost. Joseph Duffy lost and retired. Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides, yeah. It wasn't good for Not Joseph. good for Joseph. No, usually is. Yeah, well, next time. Next time around. Although Joseph Duffy looks like he's not going to have a next time around. He's decided to retire. I liked what he said. He was on Eurobash with, uh, with Pizzi Carroll. 
and um, he said uh, he said something very interesting, which was like, I just he's like, I just know I can do better, and I I don't want to embarrass myself. I I was embarrassed by my performance. I don't want to embarrass myself and my family. And if I can't go out there and perform the way that I know that I can, I probably should walk away. And it's a good, you know, some people walk away a little bit too late. So it's good that when people notice that, hey, you know, maybe maybe now is no longer my time. You walk away, you know, head head held high, knowing you made the right move to leave at that particular time. Yeah, and I, th- I believe I, when I asked him, he's only 32 years old, and I said that's a perfect time. Like, I mean, why go more than you have to? Because I was just excited because I found out he trains at TriStar and has a house there and or an apartment. Yeah. And I said, hey, you're only a few hours away from Toronto. If you ever, you know, interesting to train, and you knew a lot of the the guys that I knew, so we're hoping maybe he's still interested in coming down to train with us a few times. But super nice guy, and I hope uh, you know nothing but the best in his retirement. So we've uh, who who out of curiosity who was on that the, the the plane on the way back the chartered plane I'm curious is it, is it like the pound for pound toughest plane on the ever to oh for sure for sure I mean we had all the guys on the card uh, I mean you're adding the coaches uh, it was just really good Dana White was on our flight which was cool so yeah I mean we had some tough guys on the plane for sure you had a whole road yourself I imagine. Yeah, I was a little disappointed because uh, I guess there's only so many first class and business class seats. So the fighters got it, understandable. But uh, I was basically in the back of a plane with like Gaslam's coaches and uh, I don't know what other the other coaches, one of the Brazilians. So we had a huge back of a plane for five people, basically. So I got to lay across four. We still got the first class food and the first class menu and stuff like that. But uh, I didn't get the nice pod that I wanted. So, you didn't want to like, geez. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about it. I was like, what the heck? I was going to walk down. I was like, all right, who's going to fight for their pod now? Let's go. But no, but I mean, the four seater was nice. I still take it. And you got nice, we got nice filet, uh, nice, some tenderloin, some good steak on the plane, chicken wraps, anything you wanted to eat well. It was good. It's just kind of weird to see everyone serving you in full hazmat suits and masks and gloves and face shields. And it's definitely different. And having to wear masks throughout the flight, covering your noses was uh, pretty frustrating and annoying. But we got we got it. That's good. We got it. So in the future, though, like let's say let's say things clear up and whatever in, in like a year and you're able to, to travel on a plane. And they give you the option of wearing a mask for a 12-hour flight, but you get the whole road to yourself, or you have to sit between two people. What would you choose? I'd wear the mask and get the whole road, probably. Yeah, see, so you gotta, you got to think of the silver lining. Yeah, there you go. But the problem is now, like, you have to wear – like, um, the flights in the U.S. and I think even in Air Canada, there is no social distancing between seats anymore. Yeah, I know. So they pack the plane, basically. So you're basically forced – into situations no one in the u.s when going to the vegas airport i don't think social distancing is a thing at all in the u.s no one cares in the u.s to be honest the plane i was i was so shocked how busy the airports were how people were not enforcing of the rules and yeah so yeah well uh, i get it let's look ahead to this weekend's card uh robert whitaker against darren till in the main event uh do you have any particular lean in this particular fight I do. In a weird way, I want to say Darren Till. I just have this urge to say that I think Till is going to be able to get it done. Um, again, Whitaker's best strength is that blitzing style, which works really well for him. But I think Darren Till's really smart. I think he's got a, 
maybe – again, the striking is very similar, but I just think the southpaw left hand of Till um, is going to keep Whitaker a little hesitant and could get caught coming in. So I wouldn't be surprised. I know Whitaker's the favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if Till pulls it off. Slight, weird. Again, I don't know what – as soon as I heard the announcement, for some reason my, my mind went to, to Darren Till. You know, it's weird. I, uh, I'm actually on the other side of this. I think that if you're betting on Darren Till, you're basically betting against Whitaker. Uh, you're, you're basically saying you think Whitaker's washed. Because think of it this way. Like, if you look at the odds of Whitaker's recent fights, so Whitaker was, he was a very small underdog against Izzy, and we know how good Izzy is now. He was a, a minus 250 favorite against Yoel Romero last time around. Like, that's how, that's what the perception of Yoel Romero, of, uh, sorry, Robert Whitaker was. If you think, if, if Yoel Romero was facing Darren Till, who do you think would be favored in that fight? If you, uh, Romero was fighting Till, yeah. Romero would probably I be a favorite, Romero I would think. He would be favored. Yeah. So a guy who two fights ago was a minus 250 favorite against Romero is now a minus 130 favorite against Till. So basically what you're saying is you must think that Whitaker is washed if you think that this line is accurate. Because Whitaker on mm. paper should be the much better fighter than Darren Till based on what we've seen, based on resume, based on based on skill, really, and based on the experience of the division. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Darren Till. Darren Till has... Uh, has proven many people wrong many times, and he could very well do it again on Saturday. But I just think that if you're going to pick a side in this fight, like I just don't see how you can go against Whitaker in this situation. Whitaker's 29 years old. Like, it's not like this guy's totally washed. I don't think it's a wash thing for me. I wouldn't say that. I would say more it's stylistically how they match up because Whitaker has that blitz style, and he keeps his chin up. He kind of takes big shots. We've seen in his fights he gets hit, and he gets very stumbly and, like, because he has to take risks with his style. And I think Darren Till being patient, drawing him in a little bit, and catching him was a big key. Because when I saw Darren Till, this is kind of what reminded me of when Till fought Cowboy Cerrone. I thought that was the easiest payday for me when I picked Till to win. Because of that high up chin comes in, Darren Till's timing with his left straight, his ability to draw you in. So I think it's that more than him being washed out. I just think stylistically when it comes to both of them being strikers, I think that southpaw, good left-hand counter versus the blitz and the higher chin and the susceptibility of getting rocked a lot from Whitaker. So, I mean, very. I, I mean, again, it's very close in my eyes. And I think Whitaker, if he does blitz in well and he cracks you, Till's going to be in, in big trouble. But for some reason, my gut, it's a gut feeling. It's a gut. And uh, I should mention that we have Darren Till and Robert Whitaker on the show this week. I mean, a little, little footnote there. Yeah, they're might, both might amazing. Be might, be worth, yeah. might be worth mentioning, maybe. Well, I was talking to Whitaker, actually, because Whitaker decided that uh, it was, I think it was on Christmas Day, he was running up the hill and he said, like, I'm just, he would just acknowledge that he was burnt out and decided to just take two months off of training. And he said that it, it did so much good for him to be able to step away take some downtime, take some time with his family until he was able to really reignite that flame. He said it took about two months for that flame to really kick in where he was like, I need to get back to training. I need to get back to training. I need to prove that I'm the best. Um, but it, it was it was good to see him acknowledge that because when you're the champion, like it's just you're on like you're on the conveyor belt and GSP's talked about this before. It's like yep. everybody wants to beat you. You always have to fight the toughest guy. You always have to do all the carry the load for the media commitments. Like it's a lot to handle to be a champion for a long time. And Whitaker was a champion for more than two years, right? So he needed to take that step away and just kind of take a breath. And I think that that's important um, and, and something that I, I, we'll see how, how much it helped him when, when we watch him during this fight. But I think that that is something that 
uh, a lot of fighters need to do if they're if they're just constantly on the grind and constantly taking fights. Like I think Cowboy Cerrone could you could use something like that in his life. But uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell Cowboy what to do. Far be it for me to do that. But uh, I just thought it was interesting to hear Whitaker talk about that. Yeah, I mean, and there was a lot of that speculation saying that he was giving his daughter bone marrow transplants or something, and he came out and said, no, I just needed a break. Yeah. I mean, it's okay for guys to need breaks. Everyone, like, if you think about every sport has an off-season, you know, where it's important that guys can actually sit, relax, take a break. With fighting, the problem is it's like you only basically get a week off, and usually after your win, they're already asking you who you're going to fight next. You know, it's like, who's next? We're going to go. Then you go and you start preparing again. So there's never really a time for fighters in their career to say, you know, what? I'm going to take an extended time off and then I'll go back into it. No, because usually, you know, even as a champion, you fight two, three times a year. You know, it's Whitaker last three years, Jacare, Romero twice, Israel and now Darren Till. Like, I mean, these are these are the, the top yeah. opponents, like top of the food chain opponents. And wasn't there injuries involved, too, which kept them out for a while yeah, as well? Kept getting hurt. Uh, he had that situation where he was supposed to fight Gastelum and had that emergency on the day of the fight. He had to get pulled from the fight to go to the hospital. Uh, you know, like, he's he's had a lot of health issues. So yeah. I think the taking two months off helps kind of replenish his body as well. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I'm really excited for this fight. Something about it, I think, stylistically, the way they both like to scrap, I think we're in for a fun one for sure. And Joe, as somebody who uh, grew up watching Pride like yourself, it's Pride throwback night. You got Shogun mm-hmm. versus Little Nog, the, the trilogy fight. That's it. And, uh, what are you thinking about that? What the, Run me through how the first two went. Well, one was a decision where a lot of people thought that uh, that uh, Little Nog, I, mean, I can't remember. I think I think one was a really close decision and one was a finish. But let me let me go back and look because I can't remember. I, I, know I think Shogun got the finish, I believe, right? Shogun won both of them, but I don't know if he, okay. I don't remember what the, the, the mode was in, in uh, both of those fights. But uh, I will say, though, that Shogun's striking has not looked as good in recent fights. But that being said, I mean, Little Nog hasn't looked very good either. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of this fight. So, yeah, one was a unanimous decision against uh, Rogerio Nogueira. And the other one was in the UFC. It was a unanimous decision. So, so two unanimous decisions over Little Nog for, uh, for Shogun. And I know most people think Little Nog's probably close to 50 but his age is what late 30s who uh little would you say he's in his 40s for sure in his 40s okay yeah he's born in 76 so yeah he's he's an old, Jeez, years old. nine years yeah. older than me yeah, 44 years old so uh, Jeez. Yeah. so he's close to 50 i was right i was like I, I, okay and uh how old is shogun do we know uh, Shogun, or is that a lookup question shogun i think is like he's actually younger i think he's my age actually i think he's 38 Hmm. Well, let me let me double check that. But for how much he's done in the sport and the fights he has, that's incredible. Yeah. Let's see. Shogun's age. Shogun, eighty-one. So he's yeah, he's like a month and a half. He's like a month older than uh, a month older than me, approximately. So he's thirty-eight years old. So he's a baby. Exactly. Young baby. Young, we'll call young, him. We'll call him the young, young baby. Fella. So uh, we'll see. There you we'll go. We'll see what the young fella does against a little nog in the, the third fight. But uh, I don't really know if I expect it to go any differently than the previous two. The funny thing is I looked I it agree. up, and uh, Rogerio Noguera has not been favored in a UFC fight in 10 years. <laughs> which is, Jeez. Yeah, an underdog. But he, he wins fights, right? So he, he sticks around. Like maybe it could have given him a nicer fight to end off and after a, oh, you know, a career fun. he has. 
and Shogun's not as dangerous as he used to be at 38. Don't, don't wouldn't Yeah, you but you've lost to him twice. You're gonna say you lost to someone three times. Give him someone a little nicer now. If he leaves on that note, that's a high note to leave on, don't you think? If he ends up beating Shogun, that's a good. Yeah, way to true. To leave the sport. But if he tried twice before, I mean, the chances are of getting this third one doesn't look great. Well, you know, they say third time's a charm, so we'll see. There we go. That rings true. Uh, Alexander Gustafson weighed 240 pounds uh, this morning when he stepped on the scale. I was going to say that. I think it was 242 or uh, something 240, around there. Flat. But yeah, he's, oh. he's, he's, a big, he's, he's a big fellow now. <laughs> Bigger than Verdum, right? I think Verdum only came in in 230-something, I believe. I, I don't know. I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't don't think I saw what Verdum came in at. I was uh, looking just before we got on our Verdum, call. Verdum looked terrible in his last fight. I, I mean, I don't know what Gustafson is going to look like at heavyweight, but uh, I really hope that a different Verdum shows up for this fight because Verdum, uh, we we've seen better. So Verdum's isn't doesn't Verdum have the same coaching team as uh, as Gastelum? Did, did Gastelum's some of them stick? Uh, I'm not too sure. I don't think I'm not too sure. I know Is Cordero on the fight back with you. Uh, Cordero, no, I, he wasn't on the flight back, but, uh, so he must be staying, I guess. But I know, um, Gaslam has a few other coaches that yeah. come with him. Yeah, Gaslam yeah. has kind of two, two teams that he works with. He has exactly. One in Cal, one in, one in his hometown, I think. I don't remember where it was. And then the other is, uh, Arizona, I think Sacramento. I think he's from Yuma, Arizona. Something like that. Yeah. So he kind of splits time. So yeah, Verdum was 242, Gustafson 240 flat, so. Very similar. Wow. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see. I'm interested to see what uh, what Gustafson looks like at uh, at heavyweight because he's always been a pretty and then, light light heavyweight. He's like six foot five. Oh yeah. I mean, and a lot of people who know and train with Gustafson have said that you know they think he can do some big things in the heavyweight, and I and I can see it. I can really see him being a a real big contender in the heavyweights. Well, speaking of guys that train with Gustafson, comes that Shemaev is back. Minus twelve fifty favorite against Reese McKee. Yeah, insane. That I mean, to, he doesn't take any damage, so why not? He's just gonna wrestle you and throw you around for the whole fight. Well, I said to Dana so, White, I'm, I'm gonna be here with staying with Gustafson, so if you can find something for me, I'll fight again. <laughs> Jeez, that's kind of nice for him. Hopefully, he's got more than a an entry level UFC contract because that could be some good money. Yeah, I mean, he he um. He only absorbed one significant strike in that fight. So, uh, and the guy that he's fighting, like Shemaev, his first fight was at middleweight, and he's actually uh, he's a national welterweight. So this fight's going to be a welterweight. And the guy that he's fighting is a guy that's fought mostly at lightweight. So there's going to be a pretty size, big size advantage in this one. Oh yeah, I also saw that uh, Trinaldo missed weight. Oh, did he? I, well, I was on with you. I I saw that uh, he was left to weigh in, and there was somebody else. I guess Betch weighed in. So he, so he, uh, what did he miss by? Uh, he came in at 160. Oh, that's not a good. That's not good. So four pounds. That's no good. No. Yeah, that's, that's and uh, our our Canadian boy Jesse Ronson. Yeah, 171 gets on the scale. That fight against Dalby is a good matchup for him. Um, it's not that he's better than Dalby, but just in terms of his style, I think that that's a favorable stylistic matchup for him because that it's going to be a a fight that takes place mostly on the feet, and that's where Ronson I think does his best work. Yeah, and Ronson, uh, I know, is usually a 155-er, and that's his goal, to fight at 155. So uh, I think after this one, he'll be back to lightweight. But Ronson's big and strong. I, I, I look at him, and I've seen him in camps even fighting at 155, and he's big and strong. And, I mean, he just hasn't gotten the favorable matchups in the UFC, and I think this is one of the first ones that I can say that, you know, Dalby is probably the matchup he should have got 
long time ago. Yeah. I, you know, he's, he's a striker, and now we're putting him against one of the savage BJJ black belts, right? So they never got those favorable matchups. So I, I think this is the one where we see uh, Jesse Ronson have a little coming out party, hopefully. Well, it's nice to see Ronson back in the UFC. It reminds me of, of Pato Carvalho, your, your buddy. I mean, Carvalho yeah. had that close split decision, and they say he's going to get another shot. Ronson had three split decisions against Kevin Lee, against the aforementioned Trinaldo, against Michelle Prezeras. These guys all went on to be top 15 in their weight class, and he had split decisions yeah. against all three of them, right? So, I mean, we know that, that he's a UFC-caliber fighter, Ronson, and uh, I think that uh, now is the chance for him to finally prove it, and he's, I'm, I'm really happy that he was able to get back. He kind of left a bad taste in the mouth of... Uh, the matchmakers when he was supposed to fight in Toronto at 155 and, and wouldn't, wasn't going to be able to make the weight and uh, yeah. they let him go. So it's good that he's able to get back in their good graces and, and take this fight. Yeah, I'm excited to see him work. So uh, hopefully after this camp too and uh, Ronson and I can start working and get him even better. Absolutely. Well, I, I, uh, I hope to see that too. But uh, Ronson found out about this fight on Canada Day. Not bad. Not bad at all. It's a good Canada Day. Uh, good way to celebrate... Uh, the Independence Day of, uh, of this great country. So um, I'm trying to think of what else, if there's anything else we should discuss on this card. I mean, there's a lot of good fights. This, this, is a, yeah. this card's going to be like eight hours long. It's got 15 fights on it. Yeah, we have the other Canadian, Tanner Bozer. We talked about him last show about the size of him. So mm -hmm. 235 again, yeah. The guy he's fighting, uh, Pessoa, how would you say that? Yeah, Rafael Pessoa. 264, so 30-pound difference. So that's he's fighting a big heavyweight, I guess. Absolutely, and uh, I noticed a couple interesting betting trends. Betch Kohea has not been uh, favored in a fight since since she fought Shayna Baszler. I think it was like her second fight in the UFC. She's an underdog once again, and I think she has like a four and three record, despite being an underdog in all of those fights. So so good on Betch for uh, for continuing to uh, to overcome uh, expectations or exceed expectations in the UFC. Uh, and she's an underdog once again against Penny Kanzad this uh, this weekend. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's certainly an interesting one. And Gustafson has never been, uh, since he fought Phil Davis early in his career, has not been an underdog in, in a non-title fight. And that that uh, is happening again when he faces, faces Verdum in this fight. Oh, he's an underdog. No, no, I thought, no, oh, no, sorry, Verdum's an underdog. Yeah, Gustafson's a big yeah. underdog. I was just saying Gustafson yeah. in non-title fights has never been an underdog, except for in his fight with uh, his first two fights in the UFC. Yeah, I also like that Alex Oliveira's on the card. He's always fun and exciting to watch. I got to see him around the hotel. For some reasons, the Brazilians came like two weeks early from their fight. So I got to see Little Nog. I got to see Shogun around the hotel. Well, that's cool. So they were all there. Yeah. Have you met those guys before? Um, no, not really. I mean, maybe in passing and stuff like that. But that was cool to just – I'm sitting for my COVID test and I have Shogun right beside me. That was pretty cool. You know, some of those things like – some of those like old school guys I still get like – uh, excited to see a lot of the newer guys, not so much, but it's the old school guys that I like to see. Well, it's weird. I, I like when I do this job, I don't get very flummoxed when I'm interviewing people. But for some reason, when I met, when I interviewed Ed Herman, I like froze. That like Ed Herman is like one of the when I first started watching the UFC, like Ed Herman was basically around, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why of all people, Ed Herman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, uh, and he's fighting actually against Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Mirshar is moving up to 205 to face Ed Herman next weekend, so that's that's a that's a fun one. Um, mm -hmm. Any anybody that uh, you met that was a, a Bazooka Joe fan that you didn't know that that was a big fan of your fights? Well, I thought it was cool that uh, the coolest one was uh, Mick Maynard. To be honest with you, just cool to see uh, some of the uh, big boys of the the UFC kind of look and watch my fights. Um, but there's a bunch of us. I got to meet uh, like 
uh, Aldo I got to meet. We couldn't talk too much, but uh, he was very nice and uh, responsive. Very friendly, smiley. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. I, honestly, I just met everyone. It was really hard to see who was a fan or not, but uh, yeah, I just it was incredible, incredible. I I belong there. Weight that you would have you would have taken the fight? Oh, for sure. No, they're they're ready. They're ready. You can tell they're 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 interested. If I wanted it, I could probably get myself on there. So we'll see. We'll see. Don't get any ideas, Joe. Come on. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. This is probably always there. So. Always there. But, uh, yeah, it's such a number so that you, you can reach out. You have to reach out. Mm, we'll see. I don't know. Night, I don't... You have a couple too many Vinos, and now suddenly you're fighting. And, in two weeks. Yeah, next thing you know, I'm talking about my own fight coming up. But, no, it was just incredible. It just, it just shows that, uh, you know, that's where I want to be. It just shows that, you know, I want to be interacting. This is It's, it's meant for me to be uh, – you know, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm not the, the, one of the biggest coaches in the UFC in the next few years. So I say it, I put it out in the universe, and I'll make it happen. But uh, I just see the coaches. It's just it's, it, feel, it felt right to be there that weekend amongst uh, the elite. You know, I've been a part of every high-level kickboxing, you know, event. Now it's time for me to show the eliteness in the MMA world and UFC. So it's coming. I don't know if eliteness is a word, but I think that it does uh, best describe. I'm using it. Uh, eliteness, I'm using it. That, that should be the name of a camp. Eliteness MMA. <laughs> eliteness MMA. I like it. It sounds good to me. Eliteness. The elite. The eliteness. Yeah. It sounds good, good to me. To, eliteness is a good trait to have. That's it. I'm going to start it. Hashtag eliteness. <laughs> I like it. You should get shirts that say it. It works. It actually works really good. Like you should trademark that. Yeah. Before this, uh, before this podcast wraps up. Uh, well, speaking of which, we should get to our interviews. Uh, Joe, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll talk again next week and recap all That's 15 it. fights on the on this weekend's card if if uh, if we're able to get through it. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Well, you're gonna, you're in quarantine, so eight hours of watching MMA probably sounds like something. That's no problem. Yeah, exactly. I do that probably every day, anyways. Exactly. I'm always studying, but uh, yeah, I'm just uh, also excited to be uh, have Tariq perform in Brave coming up soon, so. I think we're, you know, excited to see Tariq hopefully get a good win, good finish, and hopefully I can be uh, with him in the UFC in the near future. Is that fight in Dubai? Uh, it's going to be in Sweden. Oh, it's in Sweden. Oh, cool. Sweden, yeah. All right. Which, uh, again, the mandatory quarantine's keeping me out from the corner, which kind of sucks. But the good news is Bazooka Kickboxing should be opening in the beginning of August. So we're ready. We're preparing. We're getting all of our social training circles our cleaning products our squares and everything already and set to go so i'm back and running august 4th yes you have some insight on that phase three is august 4th in toronto well i mean it's the phases are going but based on our bylaws and our psos that we're able to open at a certain capacity okay cool well, so awesome. yeah it's a start it's a start but if phase three opens it'll be so much better because i can put over 20 students in the gym at that point i think the current phase i can only do classes of 10 basically cool. so a lot of confusion but bazooka kickboxing we're back yeah, august we'll be, 4th we'll up soon. all right joe well thanks for this and uh, let's all right the next interview it's uh, robert whitaker on the tsn mma show He's the number one ranked middleweight in the world. He'll be facing Darren Till this weekend. Happy to be joined by the former champion Robert Whitaker uh, in Fight Island. So, Rob, my, my big question for you is you stepped away for a little bit uh, due to burnout. 
Uh, you had mentioned that I guess you were kind of burning the candle at both ends. What did that do for you? What did that do for your, your approach and your hunger to continue fighting? Honestly, the having that break, having that, that, that time away from it and that, that time off, it just rejuvenated me. You know, it, it just it just it lit that fire back up. It made it brought the enjoyment and the happiness back in the process of getting to a fight, in the training, in the gyms. And uh, because the, the, the fight is such a small piece of the puzzle, the, it's, it's everything else that, that leads up to it that you, know, you end up spending all your time with. Is it fair to say that in your last fight against Israel Adesanya that you weren't yourself? You didn't look yourself. This wasn't the Robert Whitaker that we were accustomed to seeing. Yeah, you know, um, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't want to give myself any excuses. It was his night. He came in well. Um, I feel personally that I could have fought better. I feel that my mind was a little clouded and, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, showed up, got the loss. It is, you know, it's just the game. What have you done in terms of uh, keeping your headspace open over the course of your training this time around that you weren't doing before, that, that you're allowing yourself to breathe a little bit more uh, and take things in differently? Honestly, like a, a huge, a huge piece that that fell into place was just just my team being there with me. They they were supporting me throughout the whole thing. We were um we were having a lot of open dialogues and and, and, and talking with each other and just just communicating well on on how how I was feeling, how we were moving forward with things. And and honestly, as, as a team, we, we we got closer and it just it just made everything for for me anyway much better. So when you had taken a step away, how long did it take for it to click in where it was like, I need to get back at this, I need to, where the, where the real hunger uh, kicked in to want to compete once again? Yeah, honestly, about two months. Two months and I, and I knew that I have, I have to get back. Like that, that hunger was, was eating away at me. The, the inactivity, the, the no training, it was, just, it was just eating me. I had to get back in there. I had to do it. So let's say you win this weekend against Darren Till. What would be your plan <laughs> Uh, immediately following that, uh, you know, say there's no injuries, do you do you plan on taking a couple of weeks where where you would just kind of, you know, put fighting on the back burner for a bit, spend time with your family and rejuvenate? <laughs> yeah, I'll have a couple of weeks in quarantine, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, yeah, no, you know, once it's, this, the dust is settled, and I'll, I'll have, like I'll have my little time off, and then I'll be back in the gym. I'll be back with the team. We'll be back working. And, uh, and preparing for the next. We've got some fighters in, in, in our team that are preparing for fights later on in the year. You know, we've got, we got Jacob and Izzy. They, they, they're preparing for fights. So like, we'll, we'll be around. You know, I might look for that time as well. You mentioned the quarantine. I saw on Instagram that you were sent a pretty nice rig from HP. Have you been using that thing yet? <laughs> Mate, I've almost burnt it out. I've been playing so much games. I, honestly, it, it, it feels so hot, it's almost nuclear. I, I just, it's been running 24-7. <laughs> well, what do you play on it? What, what games uh, do you, what's your go-to? I play too many games, to be honest. I play too many games. But um, <laughs> honestly, HP hooks me up. It's, 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 it's hanging in there. I'm, I'm putting it through its paces, trust me. <laughs> Uh, so, Darren Till, your opponent the, this weekend, this is only his second middleweight fight. He's moved up like, like you did uh, once upon a time from the welterweight division. Uh, what did you see from Darren in that last fight um, that, that you think you can take advantage of? Um, <clears throat> honestly, I think he's quite well-rounded. I just think I'm better. I think, I think I'm a little faster. I think I hit a little, a little harder. I think um, I, ha I, have, I have more cardio. I'm smarter as a fighter. I think I just have more dimensions I can use to, to exploit on him. 
One opponent that you were going to have uh, back in the day, uh, it fell through on fight day uh, because you had a, an emergency, was Kelvin Gastelum. Now, Gastelum, mm -hmm. uh, he lost to Darren Till and then lost again this past weekend uh, to Jack Hermanson. Uh, what advice would you give Kelvin right now, seeing uh, what has happened to his career over the last little bit? I'm not going to give him advice. Any advice I'd give him would be like a slap in the face. He's, he's, he's like, well, he's one of my biggest opponents, you know, um, potential opponents. The, the thing is, he's a great fighter. He's just had some bad nights. That's all there is to it. Like, are you going to kick him? <laughs> kick him while he's down. This is this part of the game. So this is what happens. It's not a matter of kicking him while he's down. I think I think I agree with you. He's a fantastic fighter. Hundred uh, percent. I was just wondering if there was anything that perhaps you saw that uh, that might uh, might help him, or some anything that you've done in the last <laughs> little bit that might might help him in his approach. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't want to give the guy any tips because, like you said, he's a future opponent no. of yours. Yeah, don't get heel hooked. Uh, what? <laughs> well, fair enough. That is good advice. Uh, yes. so, <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so with Darren, um, have you been face to face with him as of yet? No, I, I haven't. I haven't. I try to avoid him. You know, we're obviously in very co close quarters here at the hotel, so I'm trying to keep to myself and just. Make the weight, get my head in the right place, and just get to work. I just want to get to work, mate. I want to, I want to do my job. I'm here to do a job. I'm going to get my job done, and then I'm going to go home. You know, this is my working week, and here I am. Well, you had your, uh, your, your two months off uh, from, from training, and you, you were taking that, uh, that breath out. Did you, did you get heavy, did you, uh, or were you able to stay in shape and still have a bit of a workout regimen? Um, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got yoked. <laughs> <laughs> I um I don't even know if you, if you guys say that um I just I, I just did weights I, I just trained when I wanted to which was a huge it's a massive difference compared to what I I, I usually do and what most fighters do because because what we do what we, we train as a as a living you know we train as our job so to have that option and the freedom of I, I was only training when I truly wanted to it, it was a it was a massive mind shift. One subject that's come up a lot recently is um, overtraining. A lot of a lot of fighters have been encouraged against overtraining. Did you at a time overtrain, and have you changed how often you're training now uh, to kind of offset that? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I can ever be accused of overtraining. <laughs> I uh, I'm aware of it. It's it's more if you like, for lack of a better term, it, it's more the overtraining the mind. You know, my mind needed a break more than anything. Not my, not my body so much. Can you elaborate on that at all? So, so when you say your mind needed a break, it was just there was just too much coming at you at once. You, you were the champion at, um, at the time. You had a lot of obligations. Yeah. yeah, it was along those lines. A lot of yeah, a lot of things had shifted. Like a lot of changes have happened in the last five years that I just haven't really let myself acclimatize to. You know, acclimate to. So um. It just, it just all got a bit much. I felt like I was rushing, you know. I felt like I was, I was doing things, uh, not in my own, in my own time, in my own pace. I was kind of just going with the flow. You were in your early twenties. I mean, when you were champion, mid to early twenties, and uh, of course, you're married. You have children. Is that a lot for someone to handle at that age? Is that, is that also part of it? Maybe. <laughs> it's hard to say because I didn't realize um, I was where I was until I needed a break. And that's the problem with it, right? Yeah, we, we've heard George St. Pierre talk about that before. It's just when you're in it, you're kind of in it. And it's hard to take a step away and, and really examine what's going on because there's always the next thing. You've always got to prepare for the next opponent. Um, mm. And he said that that drove him mad. 
Yeah, that that that's exactly right. That's exactly right. He could handle it a little better than I could, by the looks of it, but. <laughs> Well, he did. He did need to take a step away, right? He took four years away from the sport uh, because of, of how how much it really, um, you know, it, it was difficult for him because everybody was training to beat him, just like with you. Everybody was training to beat you, uh, and and there was just always a next opponent, always a next opponent. It was like a conveyor belt; it just never stopped. Yeah, well, that's heavy, heavy, heavy lots of crown, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing you uh, back in there against uh, Darren Till this Darren weekend. Till. Uh, in he the main is, event, uh, number five ranked middleweight in the world, taking on the number one uh, ranked really uh, middleweight time, this Thank weekend. You. It's on TSN. Thank you so Canada. much. You're always uh, Rob the best. Whitaker is your opponent. Uh, tell me about what your thoughts are on Rob uh, and, and what you think you do better than him. Uh, I think I'm a better striker. I, I, I believe my striking and wrestling defense is, is the two best assets I've got. And I'm going to put them into play Saturday. He believes he's better than me everywhere. Obviously, he's meant to say that. That's that's what he should say. Uh, but overall, he was the champion for a reason because he gets he gets things done. So you know, I, I'm sure he's gonna go in there Saturday and try to get things done. I've just got to stop him from getting things done. You know what I mean? I've got to get my own things done against him. Now you've got your weight cut ahead of you, but people don't torment you as much as normal because you're now at middleweight and everybody just expects you to make weight now. Uh, how much of a load off of it is is it that you, A, don't have to answer questions about it anymore and B, yeah. don't have to cut an extra 15 pounds? Well, this is the first question about it, so congratulations <laughs> to you. Uh, no, it's, it's just a weight off the mind. It wasn't even about the questions in the end. It was about myself. I, you know, I was waking up weeks out from, from, from fighting camp and it was just... Everything was just about cutting weight. Nothing was about the fight anymore. It was just about cutting weight. How much weight to lose today? How much training should I do? And then fight week was the same. I couldn't relax because it was up, train, up, train, eat, train, train. And it was just, it was so draining on, on, on my body and on my mind. And, and since then, it's just become a, a big a big weight off. It's become like, you know, a huge weight off my mind. Do you feel like you were almost more focused on that than your actual opponent and who you actually had to face? That was the bigger fight? In the end, yeah, in, 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 for the, the last two fights, that's all it was about. It was just about making weight. It wasn't even about the fight no more. It was like, okay, I've made weight. Oh, shit, i got to fight one of the best guys in the world now. It was, it was madness. Yeah, it's difficult to deal with that. You, you went dark on social media for some time in the past, but it looks like you're all systems go again with, uh, <laughs> with Instagram and, and Twitter. Are you having more fun now, not having to... Uh, to endure a lot of, you know, people were, were writing all kinds of wacky comments, I'm sure, and I'm sure they probably still are, but uh, now you're having a little bit more fun with it. Yeah, I do have fun. Sometimes I like to go dark. Sometimes, you know, I think it's good good for yourself to, like, have a break from, you know, sometimes you find yourself on... on I've done this. I'm, I'm, I'm a criminal of this myself. You're on social media, scrolling, and then you turn off, and you can't focus on something, and you grab the phone, like, five minutes, and it's like... I just seen that. Why, why do I need to see it again? So, a lot of the time, I'll just switch a lot of. I don't have much socials on my phone, but I'll switch them off, and you know, I'll have a few weeks off. But then, when I do come back on, I like to make a big bang and, and you know, cause a little bit of a rift with, with some guys, and uh, you know, just keeping it fun and entertaining for everyone. Now the problem is you lost a friend. I mean, there was a, a friend that you were hoping to go to the spa with. You ended up having a spar with. It was uh, Mike Perry, and now you and he are no longer friends because I guess you crossed the line in his mind. I, I'm, I, I, when I say this from the heart, I'm truly gutted about my relationship with Mike Perry because we was good friends and we was we was DMing each other and, and it was fun and then 
I don't know what happened. I must have crossed the line. He, he owes me money for the rent because I'm living in his head rent free, so he owes me some money. <laughs> I, I wish him the best. I hope he's okay. Yeah, I guess he had a bit of a situation recently that uh, didn't look like it was uh, it was great. Uh, and you know, hopefully he is able to get it together, whatever it is. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't reached out to him though about it because he probably has you blocked. Yeah, of course, and I, I wouldn't anywhere. You know, it's none of my business what my Perry does outside the octagon. Here. You know, I'm just making the fights inside. I'm making the fights for the fans and making us both money. But whatever he does outside the octagon, listen, I, I do a lot of things outside the octagon. I make a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, it's not for me to comment on his personal life. You know, I hope he's okay. I hope his girl's okay. You know, I've seen the video, but, you know, it's not for me to comment. Now, another guy you chat with occasionally on social media, it's uh, probably half fun and then half competitive, is Israel Adesanya. So he's going to be facing Paulo Costa. But if you win this fight this weekend, it only makes sense that it's you that's next. I think that's one of the more marketable fights you can make in the UFC right now is you versus Israel, should Israel beat Paulo, of course. Best question I've heard all day, all week. Of course, there's, you take the big risks, you get the big rewards. So I fought Gaslam, he was top five, beat him. If I beat Rob Sati, the only fight to make is me and Adesanya, and it's going to be one of the biggest fights ever in UFC history. So that, that's all there is to it. There's, there's nothing else to talk about. There ain't no fighters behind me to look at. You know, I'm only looking forward, and I'm taking these big risks for big rewards, and that's what you do. So big risk. Big reward. Good man for saying that. Good question. Well, I mean, the other part about it is uh, right now you can't fight in, cra- in front of crowds, but New Zealand is basically uh, COVID-free at this point in time. By the yeah. time you and Israel could fight, you could be fighting in a stadium in New Zealand because there won't be, you know, the virus looks like in that part of the world to have been essentially cleared up. Mm, of course, yeah. At New Zealand, or I think I think my, my favorite would be, obviously I've spoken about Anfield, but... Maybe wouldn't happen. So I think my defence would have to be at Anfield. But I think Vegas would be the fight to make me and Adesanya. It just makes so much sense and, and so big of a fight. But yeah, New Zealand, I, I seen that they was, uh, it was like 99% COVID free. So yeah, that's that's the stadium. That's the fight to make there. So yeah. What's the, uh, the capacity of Anfield? 55 seats. It would be 75,000. So it's safe to say that if you're the champion and you fight there or you're fighting for a championship, that will be the loudest stadium in the history of the UFC, like the loudest crowd in the history of the UFC. Because I heard yeah. it when you're at the arena in Liverpool and I imagine a stadium that would be even more amplified. No, it would be. You know, you speak out loud and it will become a reality. And if you wear hard enough, it will become a reality. So, you know, I say it every day to myself that one day it will happen. And it doesn't matter who against. Obviously, preferably Adesanya would be the guy to fight against in, in Anfield. But... It would just be such a historic, phenomenal moment that no matter what I... I said this when I fought at the Echo Arena in my hometown, but fighting at Anfield would be huge. I don't think you can get any bigger. I don't think I could get any bigger. And I've fought everywhere, MSG, all these places, but Anfield would be... Wow. You know, I'm not the type of person that goes back and watches a lot of fights over again. I I know the result already, and I, I do get to pick things out of it, of course, but... Watching you walk out in Liverpool, to me, still gives me goosebumps when I watch it. Do you ever go back and just watch that? Just watch the walkout when you went to face Stephen Thompson? A few times, yeah. A few times, yeah. People send me the link on, on YouTube. and uh, I, Sometimes I don't believe it's actually me walking out because of how phenomenal the, the moment is. It's just like truly 
like I I try to relive it myself, relive that moment, but it's quite hard because it was just such a moment. It, you know, it, it's unbelievable when I watch it back. Now, I've spoken to a lot of people when they fight in their home city. They say that it's no different than fighting anywhere else. You don't focus on it. You're just walking out and you're kind of in in uh, you know autopilot. But for you, did you were you able to take a step back when that moment was happening? I saw you looking around and really soak that all in. That's a lie. They, they, they're telling themselves that to take the pressure off. That's a lie. Every fighter will tell you that, and it's a lie. They tell themselves that to take the pressure off. When you're fighting in your home city and your hometown, there's a there's an added you know added extra pressure, and it, you know it's it's good but tough at the same time because there's so much pressure on you. Or every single one of your family and friends have gone to see it, and how many people you know are watching. So at the same time, it's unbelievable and phenomenal. But you know, at the same time, it's so much pressure and so much. Uh, you got a lot of nerves. I can tell you that from experience. And you had that experience. You had MSG, and now uh, you know finally you're, you're going to have an empty arena this time. What do you think of of that experience, and and how? Um, are you able to kind of channel some of your earlier fights where you probably fought in front of a less less people, smaller crowd? And uh, do you think that will help you for this fight, or do you think that it's better for you to have somebody to some crowd to feed I off? Honestly, I honestly don't know. I like I truly don't know how I'm gonna react or feel. Uh, I've, this has never happened before. I've never done this, so you know. Uh, as I said, I'm just living in the in. I'm living in the now, living in the moment, and just trying to take each day. And then Saturday will be fight day and we'll see how... I think it's just going to be a little bit different because you're going to hear the shots a lot more and you're going to feel, you know, you're going to you're going to hear shins cracking. It's going to be weird. One thing you won't hear is crazy cars zipping by like we are right now. But uh, Darren, thank <laughs> you for this. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, best of luck against Rob this weekend. Thank you. See you later. Thanks, Darren. I'm pleased to be joined now by the assassin baby, Brendan Moreno, who might be next in line for a flyweight title. But before we get to that... What did you think of the fight this past weekend? We had uh, Joseph Benavidez uh, unfortunately falling short against uh, Davis and Figueredo, the new champion of the world. Man, I mean, no, to be honest, the the, the performance for uh, Davis and Figueredo was impressive, you know, was very dominant in that fight. For me, it was so sad watch uh, Joe go to the ground like that, you know, I, I think his mind wa was out to the to the octagon in that moment in that in that fight. Figueroa looks great with a lot of power. He looks very very strong in that fight. But I think I think Joe doesn't be the the, the same uh, Joseph Benavides than the last I don't know last fights before them before him. Sorry. Now now remind me, was he your coach on the Ultimate Fighter? He was my coach in the Ultimate Fire season 24. Yeah, so so you know obviously what, what kind of a person Joe is. He's a very nice guy uh, and great to be around. Man, everybody he, he, who knows Joe, and I mean, everybody loves Joe. He's he's amazing. His mentality, uh, he, he has like a, a huge heart. So for me, I mean, he was my coach. I, I have a really good relationship with him, and was so sad for me watch that moment in his life, in his career, and and then the the post interview break my heart so bad. Yeah, and uh, and Davison seems to be rubbing it in and uh, and and showing off a little bit about it. Does that rub you the wrong way? 
uh, I don't know. I mean, there is a video in his post post uh, fight interview start to talk about different stuff, crazy stuff. He started to talk to go to 135 is was crazy for me. Like, hey man, why you don't need to go in this moment to the 135? You can make some good name in the in the flyweight division. Then I start to talk about Sehudo. I mean, Sehudo is retired right now. I start to talk even even to uh, Demetrius Johnson. He's in one. I don't know. I don't know. He need to fight with me. <laughs> Well, it's funny because you're right. I mean, this, the, the division is completely fresh now because you've only had three undisputed champions and there are all these new contenders. There's yourself, Askarov, uh, Pantoja, who was on the show with you. There are a lot of different up-and-coming flyweights that it would be a shame if Figueredo looks past everybody and, and tries to get a, you know what he thinks is a, a bigger-name opponent. But Dana White said he, he wants to, to see uh, Figueredo fight some a few times in the flyweight division, so... That makes me feel better. Because, I mean, right now, Peter Jan, he wants to defend his title. Volkanovski, Volkanovski looks great against uh, against Max Holloway. So I think he, he needs to defend his title too. The the three divisions are fresh right now. I think it's a good moment. So we don't we don't need to we don't need to go to uh, crazy things like to to go to the other division and try to to get the belts so i think right now is a good moment for the three divisions so tell me why you think you're next in line i'm i'm next in line of course yes i'm next in line i mean he's ask askar askarov but to be honest i know i beat askarov in mexico city the last year i know that alex perez is a other really good name but is but he beat he beats Formiga, good, a good, good fight. But I think it's his first uh, huge name. Me, I beat Kaikara France, I beat uh, Formiga, I beat Dustin Ortiz. I have, I think I have more names and I think it's my moment. That's it. And I mean, if you're looking at the more exciting fight, I think it's a slam dunk. It should be you for sure, if that's what we're looking for. Man, if, if you watch my last, I don't know, three fights. For example, the fight against Kaikara France was a striking a striker guy against other striker, a new striker guy. So the fight can be really awesome against Figueiredo. Just imagine that moment. Yeah, absolutely. That was the thing that I said right afterwards. I said, we've got to make Brendan Moreno against Davis and Figueiredo. I don't need to explain why. It just would be a fun fight. Explosive, very, very aggressive. I don't know if it's because I'm Mexican or what, but I'm not scared for Figueiredo. I know I can beat him. Now, the one wild card seems to be Cody Garbrandt, who reportedly is thinking of moving down to flyweight. Uh, do you think that he would have to win a fight before he fights for the title at flyweight? Man, I I think he needs to prove first he can make weight and then fight with some guy, you know, good guy, because he's a... A former champ in 135, so maybe uh, a good fight in the top five division in flyweight or maybe top 10, just to prove he can make weight and he can go, uh, be a really good fighter in that division. Have you sent a message to uh, Joseph Benavides since his loss? Yes, but I, but he's he's in the social media, but at the same, the same 
same time, he's out to the social media. I, I don't know if you can understand me. I understand. And I, I imagine this moment is, you know, hard. He need, he wants to stay in his house, very relaxed, just with his wife. And um, and just watch, stay relaxed in his house, you know. I sent a, I sent a, a message for him, but he never answered ans me. And, and, and it's fine, you know. I... I, I I have the same uh, answer before. I I love Joe. I I want to to uh, to keep the relationship with him because he changed my my. He's a huge part of my development, like uh, like a fighter. You know, since the the Ultimate Fighter until this moment, I think he he take a lot of his time to teach me a lot of different techniques, a lot of you know philosophy of the life. So I don't know. He right. I I hope um, after after this moment he can uh, send me a message too. I, I hope. <laughs> what um, one thing that has also improved not just uh, is not just your fighting, but your English. When when you first came to the UFC, you didn't know a lot of English. Uh, how, how what have you done to work on that? How have you gotten so good at speaking English? Just I I try to to talk a, a lot with the people, even if you can uh, understand me. Because maybe I, I know you understand a, a lot of my words, but it's that, but maybe it's not the the correct uh, words, you know. But I just try, I just try, try, try. I'm not scared to talk with the people. And I, for example, right now I can ha I can have a a complete interview in English with you with other guys, and I feel comfortable. I know sometimes I make a lot of mistakes with my, with my with my English with my words, but we we can uh, we can have a a really good uh talk between us well you know what i always say is if people think that somebody else doesn't speak good english you'd better be just as good at speaking a second language as they are speaking their first language before you can comment <laughs> on that i know and i'm and my spanish is good <laughs> my spanish is good my english is good so i i'm the correct way to 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 get uh, a really good, uh, uh, speak good English. Your English is much better than my Spanish. I'll tell you that. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you so much. Well, we've uh, we've been uh, very happy to see your improvements, uh, not just in that department, but in the fighting, of course. And uh, you were out of the UFC for a little bit of time. What happened there? Did you get released, or did you did your did your management not? Uh, I guess your management at the time was different than it is now. Uh, what what ended up happening there? Uh. A lot of things, you know. I, I was released after my fight um, against Pantoja in Chile. In Chile, yes, that was in in May of 2018. I tried to get another fight. Actually, G GFC almost gave me a fight in, I think, was Uruguay. I think so. But I, in that moment, I don't feel like ready to get a fight. Really really fast maybe in the next month but in, but in that moment the UFC starts to cut uh, guys from the division and one of one of one of the heads was my, my head <laughs> so um, what's sad a lot of bad things start to come with that moment you know like with, with money what with money what with my with my family uh, I, I needed to pay a surgery for my uh, for my little girl. He, he he's she started to to has to had problems in his stomach, 
So he, she needed a surgery in that moment. So was bad. My man, my mind was really crazy. But I just, I just tried to get focus and go back to the octagon. You know, then UFC talked with me and say, "Hey, you're no more a UFC fighter." And was fine. I was very sad in that in that moment. But then I, I meet uh, Jason House in, in, in Iridian Sports. I started training a lot of with uh, my striking. I developed my development in the striking is amazing in this moment. So uh, Jason get the, the uh, got the fight in LFA for the title. Won that fight. I won that fight. So go again to the Mexico City against Askarov. And, and I know that a lot of people know I beat the guy in that fight. So was stay just was just stay focused in in my in my objective in my goal in my goals and with and start to uh, to go to the to the winners again yeah absolutely well it's, it's nice to see you um winning again and nice to see you back in the mix i think that uh a title shot should be next for you i think that, that is the most exciting fight to make um and i, I really appreciate your time ben and thank you for this Man, thank you so much for your time. Sorry for my English. I know it's better, but we ha we can have a, a, a really good uh, conversation between us. So uh, thanks for your time for to be really patient. Well, I will just say, buenos noches, señor. Buenas noches, señor. <laughs> Muy bueno. <laughs>